Good morning, folks. What's going on today is Tuesday, May 9th, 2023. Welcome to episode number 362 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Gary Sturgiatis, Peter Lee, Jenny Housley, Tom Bishop, Cyber Munchkin, Brian Alliston, and so many others of the Simply Cyber community are going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be bringing my expert opinion and analysis and maybe some hot takes. I don't know. Sometimes uh, buttons get pushed over here and things happen, right? You know what I'm saying? Mercy! All right. But we're going to be tearing it up. It's going to be valuable. If you are in the industry, if you're working in IT, if you're working in InfoSec, uh, there's going to be value here because you know already that you need to stay current on what the heck's going on so you can better uh, orientate and defend for your organization and promote resiliency for your organization. If you're looking to break into the industry, you're just graduating, you're a career pivoter, whatever your background is, believe this, you will be asked in any job interview, how do you stay current in information security or some flavor of that question? This right here is the banger answer. So stick with us, we got a great show for you today. Before we get into it though, I do wanna say shout out and love to the stream sponsors who allow me to bring this to you absolutely free of charge to you. Start with my good friend, Barricade Cyber Solutions and Eric Taylor. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for uh, for everybody, but for businesses and uh, really send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. Uh, really, it says, the, the read here says business owners into turmoil, but believe this, everybody from the top to the bottom, the IT people, the people coming in on the weekends, the people who can't do their job, they're all going to need Pepto-Bismol because it's going to be tummy trouble central if you're dealing with a ransomware incident. But don't sweat it. Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents like ransomware and get you back up and running again. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. This is their website right here. Holler, holler, holler. If you go down all the way to the bottom, there's a lot of good intel here. But right here is where the, where the uh, I guess, the, the jewels are kept. The goods. Eric Taylor's calendar. You can get right on here. Meet with him. He's a nice guy. Uh, Marine, if, if that you know matters to you. Oorah. Semper Fi. Get on Eric's calendar. Have a conversation with him <clears throat> and see what's up. Also want to say what's up and thank you to XM Cyber. Guys, you probably know XM Cyber for their exposure management experience. But let me tell you, organizations have over are overwhelmed with thousands of exposures across cloud and on-prem environments exposures that typically lead to compromises right and this is on a week a monthly basis so efficiently reducing risk is nearly impossible and you almost become apathetic if you've been in the game long enough i honestly believe this if you've been in the game long enough at some point you peak and become apathetic and then you know like gravity pulls you back down and you 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 get re-energized that like you can make a difference and then you go make a difference but for a moment there it's just like what are we doing what's the point it's just overwhelming okay we don't need that and xm cyber is going to help with exposure management discover the most critical threats and practical tips on how to overcome remediation fatigue with a new approach to efficiently reducing risk with xm cyber's 2023 state of exposure management report it's a free report. You download it. It's got a lot of great intel in it. A lot of great, um, 
lot of great uh, statistics, all based on legit telemetry. I'm telling you, I printed it out. I'm, I'm one of these guys who prints it out and then reads it. What a nerd, am I right? But uh, yeah, it's just a great report. It's really well done. It's actually formatted quite nicely if you're into the way uh, visual communication happens like I am. I do like a good infographic XM Cyber, so I appreciate that. Also want to say shout out and love to Panopsi, but more about them at the mid-roll. If you're live with us right now, 135 of you wonderful people crowding in here, hashtag team live in chat, please. Um, let us know that you're here. Definitely appreciate you getting up with me uh, early on an uh, East Coast early, right? If you're on the West Coast, you're like, get out of here, you <laughs> early. You're at 8 a.m. there, you loser. It's not even the sun's not even out up here and I'm here. Come at me, bro. Uh-oh, yeah, James McQuiggan. I made I made one devastating move in chess and it may it may save my game. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thanks so much, James McQuiggan, for the super chat and the continued stream support. If you're watching on replay, team replay in the comments. I see you guys. Congratulations to Fraud Dog for getting that ISC squared CC um, certification. Definitely um, good stuff. If you are a team hybrid, you got here late, you're watching 2X get caught up. When you get caught up, welcome to the present, my friend. Hashtag team hybrid. Let us know that you're double time and it's a get up to us where we are live. And then my favorite, hashtag passive observer. If you're shy, if you're ro rocking some uh, imposter syndrome, if you don't know how to network, it's incredibly valuable. Believe me, it is so unbelievably valuable to network and sometimes it can be awkward to get started so drop a hashtag passive observer in chat and let the simply cyber community wrap you in a virtual hug and welcome you into the light of networking per se and um you know get get cracking on it you're, you're gonna you're gonna thank me later on ask gary sturgiatis ask brady mcnulty ask aaron kg ask any uh, uh any of the individuals who have done the Previous role, J Jared Burroughs, previous role, mechanic, pharmacist, uh, food and bev, marketing, school teacher, stay-at-home parent to cyber. They all, all of them, 100% of them said networking was so valuable they wish they had started it sooner. So I'm telling you, it's not just hyperbole. I'm not up here just spitting to, to hear my voice. I'm telling you, this is super valuable. All right. Each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE, so be sure to take a screen cap or, uh, you know, time marker, whatever you got to do to get it that they that you can point that you were here. All right? Woo! All right. That was a heck of a read. I definitely enjoyed it. We got, we got hot news to go through, though, guys. So sit back, relax, and I'll see you at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. It's Tuesday, May 9th, 2023. Dallas still reeling from ransomware. Last week, the What's city up, of Cat Dallas P? confirmed it suffered a observer. ransomware attack. The Royal Ransomware Organization took credit. Over the weekend, the city said it believed it contained the attack and saw no signs of new spread. However, on May 8th, all municipal courts remained closed. Police and fire departments also informed local media outlets that they are experiencing continual issues. Dispatchers are writing down information and relaying it manually over radios. This also played into the response to the mass shooting in Allen, Texas, as police were unable to access prior information on police calls to the shooter's home in Dallas. City officials also weren't against scammers approaching the general public to pay things like utility bills, saying the city would not proactively reach out. Oh, my God. All right. So... Listen to this. This is a really good point. So when we talk about ransomware attacks, right, most people 
focus on system down, the ransom note on the computer. What do we do? And most people, like I'm not saying simple-minded, but people who like the business, okay. <laughs> Looking at you, executive Carl. Most people think like, oh, just recover from backup. We have the cloud, right? And it's like, no, bro. It's like so much more complicated than that. And this Dallas situation with Royal Ransomware is a perfect case study for you to um, use in your education and your awareness and your communication to the business, to leadership. Okay, so here's what happened. Dallas goes down, right? So we know that. And they're recovering. They say that they've contained it. So this is spot on, right? So when whenever you're dealing with incident, and if you've ever seen like the incident response kind of workflow, you want to contain um, the, the, you, you basically want to identify, right? Ransomware is easy because they're like, I own your machine. Like the, they're happy to let you know that, <laughs> that they're there. Okay. So one of the first things you got to do is get your arm around it, right? Contain it. And then you can begin to, um, you know, isolate, contain, uh, eradicate and then recover. Right. So they've, they've contained it, which is great update. They're clearly not interested or it would appear that they're not interested in paying the ransom so they're going to be uh slowly recovering building back now here's the thing most businesses on average will be down just a little under a week before you get back up and running that's a week of no you know product no business no whatever right so first of all the business has to appreciate can we survive not being in business for a week right which sounds like, oh man, I could take a five-day vacation, no big deal. But you've got to remember, like some businesses, you don't see the cash flow if you're on InfoSec, right? Maybe you got a bunch of invoices out that your clients aren't paying and you can't make payroll the next week, right? Maybe in this case, in the Dallas case, people are trying to pay their utility bills, their mortgage, or not their mortgage, their utility bills, their water bills, their whatever bills, parking fines. And the city can't take the money like they literally cannot process the transaction. So I'm just saying that's something to give consideration for. Can we go a week without any money coming into the business? That's one thing. Another thing that's really interesting um, to point out here is that scammers and scumbags, I mean, scammers, right? I guess those two things are the same, are taking advantage of this opportunity by quickly pivoting into telling residents of Dallas, oh, hey, like, uh, the ability to pay your utility bill is back up. Go to this wickedsketchy.com website slash Dallas and pay your utility bill. So scammers are scamming people. And by the way, hat, like hat tip to the scammers for moving so quickly. Um, man, criminals and con men are really, and con women, we are uh, inclusive here, are really clever to move that quick and, and, and just prey on people in this way. But it's another thing to give consideration for. Now, Dallas, people aren't going to like quit Dallas. But if you are a private business and all of a sudden all your customers are getting scammed, that's not good for the, the reputation of the brand. You as the brand or you as the city of Dallas, it's incumbent upon you to communicate out to your customer base or your citizen base in this instance and let them know that these scammers are out there, right? So that's another layer of, of work for you, right? Like the, like the PR people are already trying to spin this in some way that doesn't look horrible. And now you got a layer on top that, hey, you've also got to let them know about scammers, right? So there is a lot of collateral damage. There's a lot of um, kind of like secondary impact from a ransomware incident. 
So it, this is a really nice uh, example. Now, the last thing I'll say here is that they said that there was a mass shooting in Texas that drew national attention and that the, the lack of informa information systems um, somehow was involved. I mean, with all due respect, uh, maybe there was some capacity. Maybe they could have responded quicker, maybe something. But again, I, I only see these stories live with you. I do not get to research these stories. I don't know what stories are coming up. To me, just on the surface, I would point to this and say, this individual was going to do a mass shooting. It's not like Dallas ransomware happened in, in, the, in like a, a switch went off on this individual's head and they're like, yeah, today's the day. It's like, no, like they were going to do it. Maybe the response time was a little broken, but they are communicating over radio, which is like an 80% solution. So uh, anyways, okay, that's that's it. Just I, I guess the TLDR here is this Dallas one, this story particularly is a pretty good one to have in your back pocket to communicate out to the business about ransomware. Oh, oh and one final thing. They said not having the systems up did not let them see past arrests from the individual. Yeah, okay. Okay. I mean, it's, all right. So the final thing I'll say about this is another like mistake that we see the business make is that they get cyber insurance that has ransomware coverage. So they think, oh, I've got it covered. I'm good to go. We get hit with ransomware. We'll just call in the insurance. Mm -hmm, right? Just Great cash, homie. no. That, like, your insurance isn't going to cover these secondary things. The insurance isn't going to cover brand damage, reputational harm, these type of things. So uh, be mindful of all of these. Hacked Facebook pages, buying Facebook ads. Social media consultant Matt Navarra noticed suspicious-looking Facebook pages serving ads under accounts meant to impersonate Meta, Google, and other big tech platforms. These appear to come from hacked accounts, which subsequently changed their names to spoof the platforms. These accounts retained meta verification after the name changes and then purchased ads to further extend the reach of suspicious link posts. In some cases, these compromised accounts reached millions of followers before accounting for any paid reach. Meta does show the name change history of verified accounts, but it's unclear how these clearly spoofed ads made it through Meta's review system. Meta subsequently disabled the pages highlighted by Navara. Okay, couple things here, right? So. <laughs> who's using facebook i i hate to be like that guy I, n I never really used facebook you can go look at my account i have one but it's it's pretty uh it's pretty lame it doesn't really do anything um so here's a technique used by hackers used by threat actors used by cyber criminals uh with pretty good um results okay so here's the deal there's two things going on here one hacking verified accounts Okay, so that's one thing. And two is paying to have uh, your content promoted. Okay, so let's talk about those two things separately. One, if I create a new account and I'm like, hey, Kimberly, hey, Chinadu, click on my links. And you're like, bro, this account is like eight minutes old. No, like I, I see that you say you're shell gas, <laughs> but eight minutes ago, no posts. Now I'm not clicking on anything for a free $25 gas card. Okay, now... I hack the Shell gas account. And then I say, hey, Peter Lee, hey, Shane Himes, you want a free $25 gift card? Click here. And you're like, well, this looks legit. Doink, right? And then you're like, oh, no, right? 
<laughs> right? So you get yeeted right out into the ether. So having hacking or, or having access to a verified account, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, um, LinkedIn, it doesn't matter. What the threat actor is doing is buying legitimacy buying authenticity and trust because there's a social proof that that account is legit. It is established. It has implicit trust. And that's why it's so valuable to the hackers. They don't care. It's not like they're like, ooh, I'm going to make a political statement about shell gas and climate. No, they're buying the social proof of the account because they want to trick you, socially engineer you into getting it. Okay, that's step one. Step two, step two, Buying ads. We've seen this with great success on Google results, buying Google ads, right? Threat actors will create a, this was huge during the pandemic. They, they would create a fake Zoom installer. It was just straight malware, homie, right? Straight malware, homie, right? And they would buy Google ads and then they would pump the crap out of it. So no matter what you typed in, if you typed in Zoom client, Zoom, how to install Zoom, 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 whatever, it would be like the first result. It would say add on it, but it would be the first result. And so many people click on it, install it. Yes, go ahead, system level access. Here's my password. I need the Zoom. Everybody's talking about these cool, crazy backgrounds. I need the Zoom, right? And then threat actors are just installing malware, uh, you know, like wholesale. Okay, so that is another social engineering attack. And apparently you can do it on Meta where you buy ads, which effectively put threat actors phishing campaigns, threat actors watering techniques, whatever you want to call it, right? It puts it square in the face of victims. The victims don't have to go hunt for it. Facebook, for a couple bucks, will gladly shove it in your victim's face. And, and honestly, I know Meta and Facebook can't really uh, control the intent of the ad. Um, so they, you know what I mean? They're not gonna be like, well, this looks malicious. But at the same time, Facebook meta is basically uh, like aiding and abetting the crime because they're literally serving it up in exchange for a piece of the action, right? Threat actor makes $100 off every victim and gives $4 of it to Facebook meta for, you know, for the effort, right? For the services of jamming it in my victim's face. That's what's going on here. When you combine the two, you just become a little bit more effective at delivering that compromise, right? There you go. Anyways, um, final thing. You can use this as a great example to educate your end users on listening to your inner voice. I told my kids this last night over dinner. Listen to your inner voice. If it's, if it's like, I don't care if it's a verified Facebook account. If it seems ridiculous, an offer, or it seems silly, or there's a weird domain, or a million other things where your inner voice is like, no, then you should probably um, listen to that voice. Okay. Court rules on Merck cyber insurance claim. Back in 2018, Merck got caught up in the NotPetya attacks, suffering an estimated $1.4 billion in losses. This accounted for outages, consulting, and system replacements. At the time, it held a $1.75 billion all-risk policy from Ace American. But the insurer refused to pay it, citing an acts of war clause, arguing the attacks were Russian-backed. Merrick filed suit in 2018 disputing this. A December 2021 New Jersey Superior Court yep. decision determined these provisions did not apply. Ace American appealed. Now, the Superior Court of New Jersey Appellate Division upheld the judgment. It found the details of the attack on Merrick came wholly outside the context of any armed conflict or military objective. AI. All right, couple things here. One, we're talking 1.4 billion. 
billion dollars. That's a ton of money. Second of all, I could have, I mean, not that I, like, I'm some great shakes, but like, I told you this was going to happen. After Maersk um, won a lawsuit against uh, Zurich International to the tune of like a billion dollars, Mondelez, uh, the food giant, um, they immediately uh, went after uh, Zurich International for the same thing. And that case was like super fast. They got like a hundred million dollars, right? So precedent has been set. Legal precedent has been set. Merck, a pharmaceutical company is like, bro, bro, chop. We got the same issues. They probably lost a ton of like pharmaceutical stuff, you know, uh, medicines that had to get somewhere by a certain time, had to stay a certain temperature, whatever it was. They went after their insurance company, which was not Zurich, but it was um, Ace International, who I've never heard of. But obviously they, they got deep pockets because $1.4 billion is quite the uh, sum to pay. Uh, so th it doesn't surprise me. I'm sure there's a ton of other smaller businesses with smaller claims that are going into lit litigation in order to get paid. And with all of this um, legal precedent set, there's no way an insurance company is possibly going to be able to defend the position that it was an act of war. The NotPetya, by the way, is the wiper virus that Russia launched against uh, Ukraine using an accounting software to distribute and spread it. It was very much like a supply chain attack. Uh, the problem is, <laughs> the problem is not just Ukraine. Uh, people were using that accounting software, and obviously it spread and got a hot mess on fire. Um, yeah, Subro's talking about Nicole Pelros' book. I talk about this all the time. Nicole Pelros' book. Uh, this is how they tell me the world end is absolutely ex excellent. Um, I, you know what I even said too. By the way, like the argument that it's an act of war. Um, it's not doing so good. I mean, if you ask Putin, they're still not in a war. So you can't say it's an act of war <laughs> if 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 the parties agree that it's not a war yet. Although uh, some some parties would would say it is. Um, oh, thanks, K. Scott Powell. That reminds me. I got to get the cash rules, everything around me sounder. Joel Belton's asking, does having cyber insurance make you more of a target? My thoughts on this. I would say no. It's 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 really really um, prudent to have insurance anyways in 2023. Um, you know, you have like slip and fall insurance. You have employment. You know, whatever you have. You there's insurance for all sorts of things, right? So it it's in 2023 with cyber being such a main element, every business is going to have some form of cyber insurance. Most. Um, Insurance carriers are going to offer it. Now, I will tell you, because of things like this, these massive payouts, insurance companies are being much more scrutinizing about what uh, kind of insurance policies they will release, what kind of limits they'll put on it, how much the policy premiums are. I'm talking like, dude, I worked at a manufacturing company and it came up for renewal. Um I, I don't want to get into too much detail, not because of NDA, but just because I don't want any, um, I just don't want any problems. But just know that on average, the insurance premiums on renewal were four to eight X more. Meaning if the insurance policy was $25,000 a year, it was now 100 to $400,000 for the renewal, right? So imagine for a second, you're like, whatever, like, let's say your rent is 1200 bucks a month, right? And then you go to renew your lease and they're like, it's $10,000 a month. You're like, what the hell? Huh? 
Whoa. Sorry to the younger audiences for the HE double hockey sticks. Baby base case, our, our nine-month-old um, attendee and Kennedy and uh, a couple other young ones up in here. All right, let's keep going. Hacking comes to DEF CON. As AI becomes more of a mainstay of corporate operations, securing it becomes important. We've already seen organizations banning AI tools entirely over security. Yeah, Jazzy Jazz, ask me at um to shed some more light Jaw on Jack this. and I'll answer that question. The AI Village wants hackers to find bugs and biases in various large language models. AI Village organizers describe this as the largest red teaming exercise ever for any group of AI models. They'll provide machines with timed access to various LLMs, including from the biggest names in the industry: OpenAI, Anthropic, Google, Hugging Face, Nvidia, and Stability plus to an evaluation platform developed by Scale AI. All right. I do love me some DEFCON. DEFCON happens every year in the summer, at, at the end of the summer, like late July, early August. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I, 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 I almost always go. The pandemic, you know, obviously I, they weren't having it. I didn't go. I did do safe mode DEFCON. So holla, holla, if you were in the sun with me. Um, so this is one of the really great things about DEFCON. They do have villages. De By the way, DEFCON has gotten so big now that it's almost like a conference of conferences. A lot of times people just stay in the village they're at. Um, it's very big. I Honestly, it's it's too big for me now. I, I'm still there all weekend, but I don't really go into DEFCON. Um, I kind of just kind of meander around and network and meet with people. But the, the point is DEFCON has these villages. They have car hacking village. Uh, when Charlie Miller released the, the take control of your Jeep thing, it like turned, it went like hot, 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 uh, car hacking. And then they had a car hacking village to push that research forward. Same with, um, like, uh, airplane hacking, right? So, and then there's the Red Team Village, which has always been around for the longest time. There, in Blue Team Village, Eric Capuano, Recon Infosec, has done great things with the Blue Team Village. So the, the, the DEF CON is a really great practitioner conference. Now, they're going to have this AI Village. There's, this, to me, just further shows how quickly AI is moving. We live in the AI age. Again, people, I need a bumper sticker that says, Welcome to the AI age. DEFCON's moving quick on this. There's going to be a lot of uh, uh, mark tape, mark tape. There's going to be massive uh, news stories that come out of DEFCON, you know, first week of August, second week of August about the AI hacking and what was discovered. And, you know, there'll probably be a couple like new celebrity names of security researchers who discovered something interesting with AI, made AI do something crazy or whatever. Um, I do appreciate this. In order to uncover compromises to uncover vulnerabilities to uncover um weaknesses you need to poke prod and and and, and evaluate these systems and they're they are here to stay they are massively mainstream Shall we play so the only way to get in is to roll up your sleeves and dig in i genuinely appreciate this to me defcon absolutely makes the right sense for a conference to dig in and just tear apart ai um, so way to go, DEFCON. I'll be there. I'll take a selfie in front of AI Village. <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor, Trend Micro. Cybersecurity is not just about protection. It's about foresight, agility, and resilience. Navigating a new era of cyber risk demands evolved strategies, new frameworks, and integrated tools to equip security teams to anticipate and defend against even the most advanced attacks. 
Trend Micro, the global leader in cybersecurity, is bringing the cyber risk conversation to more than 120 cities around the world in their latest Risk to Resilience World Tour, the largest cybersecurity roadshow of its kind. Find the closest city to you and register today to take a leap towards a more resilient future. Head on over to trendmicro.com slash CISO series. <laughs> All right, James McQuiggan and I are going to take an ussy, not a selfie, an ussy at DEF CON. All right, guys, it's the mid-roll. If you're new here, we do this every day. All right, thanks so much for the super chat, James. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. All right, guys, I just want to say thank you all so very much for being here. 238, 241 of you today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Thanks for being with us. If you're getting value, educational value, entertainment value, take a second, hit the like button, especially on YouTube. Why, Jerry? YouTubers always say hit the like and bell for notifications. I'm almost tone deaf to it. Here's the deal. If you hit the like button right now, it, it allows you to pay it forward because YouTube will see a bunch of people like this content and it will suggest it to other people who are searching for cybersecurity content on YouTube who don't know about Simply Cyber. They don't know the awesomeness that we're doing over here every single weekday morning. And YouTube will be like, hey, you might be interested in this. And that's how we build the community. I love it if you would share on your social media, your LinkedIn, your Twitter, that we do this every day, but by hitting the like button, YouTube will do it for us. So take a second, hit the like button. Thanks to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber, XM Cyber, and Panopsi. I mentioned Panopsi at the beginning, but let me just take a minute and tell you about their quantified risk assessment methodology. Panopsi can come into your business, evaluate your people, your process, your technology, and see how they work holistically to help uh, secure and provide resiliency from a cyber attack to your business. Then using threat modeling and, you know, basically um, statistical uh, historical information, Panopsi, Brandon Poole, can determine what your risk profile is. When you say, oh, what's your risk appetite? It's these vague general terms. With a quantified risk assessment, you can literally say, you have a 65 to 72% chance of suffering a ransomware attack this year. Is that acceptable to you? Are you okay with that percentage, right? Well, now you can have a real conversation. You could say, no, 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 that's way too high. Like you flip a coin and it's more likely that I'm gonna get ransomware than not. I need to get it below 50%. Okay, here's a couple options. This option costs this amount of money. This option costs this amount of money. This option costs nothing. What do you wanna do? Well, let's do the nothing one. Okay, that's fine. That actually reduces your risk by 4%. You're still above 50, is that okay for you? It allows you to have way more deliberate, way more meaningful conversations. And frankly, if you're an information security officer or you're running your own program, it makes you look like a, a, an absolute all-star because you're bringing real intel and driving real conversations at work instead of just being like, oh, we're kind of in the reddish orange area and we'd like it more in the yellowish orange area. The business can be like, what the hell is that? What does that mean? I don't understand what you're talking about, yellowish orange. Panopsi Security, links in the description below. I wanna remind everybody about the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Right now, Steph Clewis currently has the baton. Steph, if you're in chat, please tag somebody. Every single day, we push the Simply Cyber Community Challenge forward. Hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Take it easy, Kayla Sturgeon, good to see you. 
If Steph Clues is in chat, please tag someone. Whoever gets tagged with the challenge baton, I'd ask them to go on LinkedIn, post their cyber story, use the hashtag simply cyber community challenge, and everybody connect and connect with the people posting and in the comments. And because it's LinkedIn, you can just search on the hashtag simply cyber community challenge and see the individuals who have already held the baton and already engaged. Please build your professional network. I can't, I can't do it for you, but I can enable it. And this is one way to enable it. Please take advantage of it. It's so, so valuable. It's the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. It's a mechanism to allow people who are a little shy, a little introverted, maybe you're just new to the game, to build your professional network. Get after it, okay? I want to let everybody know really quickly, yesterday at 4 o'clock, I played um, Haiku Pro on, on, on Steam, on, excuse me, on stream, and I went through and actually, I actually went through and played a live range. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up right now is because you can go back and watch this stream and play along. The range that I did is absolutely free. If you want to learn CTS, if you want to see how to uh, hack a, a simple uh, network server and, and um, basically hack it, you can watch this stream. You can follow along step-by-step step with me and learn. It's a really great opportunity. Um, so I wanted to share it with you guys because a lot of people think like, oh, I have to be in the moment. This particular range was the Wicked Six range and it's free indefinitely. Finally, Tidbits Tuesday, every single, uh, hold on. Every single day of the week has a special little segment. Today is Tidbits Tuesday, which means I tell you a little bit about myself, a little, see if we have something in common. All right, John Bruno's in the house. Thanks so much, Steph Clewis, for um, carrying the baton. And John Bruno, welcome to the party. All right, finally, uh, Tidbits Tuesday. What can I share about myself that would be interesting? Um, I got, got to tell you guys, I have a killer, a killer butter chicken recipe. I love um, Indian-style food, like curries and kormas and, and stuff like that. But like I personally can make a butter chicken recipe that I would say could be served in a restaurant. Like it, I love, I love this recipe. I make it like once a week. I think my family's sick of this recipe, but I do love me some butter chicken. All right, that's my tidbit Tuesday. Let's keep going and getting into the news. Next Gen Healthcare confirms breach. The U.S.-based electronic health record software provider confirmed that an unauthorized third party accessed its systems in a filing with the Maine Attorney General's office. In the process, they stole data on over 1 million patients. Data stolen includes names, addresses, dates of birth, and social security numbers. NextGen did say that it saw no signs attackers accessed medical information. The attackers appeared to use stolen credentials for initial access, with suspicious activity detected on March 30th. This comes after the Alpha V ransomware organization claimed an attack against NextGen back in January. All right. So a couple things here to report. One, I guess if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. Way to go, NextGen. A million patients' records. I think that might qualify for HHS's uh, OCR wall of shame slash HIPAA filing. Um, this sucks. Uh, one thing I'll say, it looks like NextGen Healthcare is basically an EHR provider. Uh, yeah, you can see here, provider of EHR, electronic health record. I worked in healthcare for several years, so I'm a little bit more familiar with this. Basically, 
in the American hospital, uh, the American healthcare system, you need to like, <laughs> like everything goes through insurance. You got to bill for everything. You got to document everything. Now, granted, like if you're a patient, you definitely want everything documented. Cause if you go to another physician or another healthcare practice, you want them to know exactly what has been done to you for continuity of care. But like the, the CD underbelly is, um, the healthcare system wants to charge for everything. In fact, I actually have a, <laughs> I've got to do a, a phone call after this because um, because of some healthcare stuff that I'm getting charged for, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, but next gen healthcare gets popped. The thing that makes me angry, okay? They say patient names, date of birth, social security numbers were stolen, medical records were not, okay? So they may actually be able to get around the HHS, um, filing around HIPAA violations, but all this information, again, it can be used for identity theft. It can be used for a whole bunch of different nefarious purposes. The thing that really chaps my butt is that they said it started with a credential leak and then the threat actors got in. So you're telling like what I heard, what I heard when they said that was next gen doesn't um, enforce multi-factor authentication. That's what I heard. This is a cloud-based EHR provider and credentials got compromised and the threat actors got in and then started going from there. Now, I don't know if it was like a general end user's credentials who got comped uh, right here, using client credentials that appear to have been stolen from other sources unrelated to NextGen. Right, so some somebody used reused their password, right? Horrible practice. Don't reuse passwords. Use a password vault. Generate unique passwords. This is all the same things that we've been saying. But uh, username password got dumped in a leak somewhere and the threat actors were able to log in. That is not good. It's a, it's a, it's a freaking cloud system. Use multi-factor authentication. This right here, I said it earlier uh, last week, like passwords need to go away. They they are not really that great because people reuse them. People use crappy ones. People don't update them if they don't have to. It's just a mess, y'all. And this is a perfect example of how like, oh, who cares if I use a crappy password on dominoes.com? What are they going to do? Order a pizza? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they'll order a pizza. But you're also using the password for your electronic health record system access. Todd. So like, this is why the problem is with, with passwords, okay? I feel, I feel for these million people who entrusted their data. They had to give this data to be able to use the healthcare system in Maine. And now, there you go. Enjoy your free identity theft. So angry. Canadian attackers targeting paper cut servers. Microsoft's threat intelligence team disclosed that two Iranian-linked threat groups began targeting known vulnerabilities in the popular print servers. These groups historically showed links to Iran's Ministry of Intelligence and Security and Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. One group, dubbed Mango Sandstorm, seems to have only used its tools from prior attacks to connect to C2 servers, while the other, Mint Sandstorms, appears more opportunistic. While mitigations have been published for the vulnerabilities, Volncheck notes new attack methods seen last week show they can bypass existing detection methods. Western. All right, so here's what I think is happening here. Okay, first of all, shout out to Mango Sandstorm. <laughs> Let's um I'm getting a lot of DMs right now. It's hard it's hard to um it's hard to um produce a show and host a show and engage in comments 
<laughs> and get DMs. Um, what, what, during the next story, I'm going to have Mid Journey generate a Mango Sandstorm threat actor graphic, and I'll share it on stream afterwards. But here's what I think is happening, okay? The story is there's an uptick in activity from Iranian hacking groups using the PaperCut attack. PaperCut has been well-documented. It is a print management service software, cloud-based. It, it allows you to go from site to site and not have to install new drivers. Very, very cool. It's been uh, compromised. It's getting exploited all over the place. We talked about it two weeks ago. We talked about it last week. Here's what I think is happening. I think threat actors have... Like, if you have a group chat with some buddies from college, if you have a group chat with your family, guess what? Threat actors probably have group chats with each other, or at least I know for a fact that they have dark web forums where they share tips, techniques, you know, protocols like, oh, things that work, things that don't work, soft targets, easy money, like whatever. It, it It's like a um, it's like a professional rotary meeting for criminals up in there. Here's what I think is happening. I think over the last two weeks, there's been a massive amount of discussion in these dark web forums around how easy paper cut is to exploit, how to do it. And in my opinion, these Iranian hackers got wind of it and they're like, oh, yeah, let's do this. Like they said, the Mint Sandstorm one, um, even though they're APTs, it doesn't mean that they do. Just because you're an advanced threat actor doesn't mean that you need to use only advanced techniques dude if you can just point and click a, you know a cyber weapon at someone and it's well known and documented mirai botnet is a perfect example it's still rampant going around right now you don't need to burn your sick zero days your elite hacks or stuff right if you want to go into the fridge on a on a on a on a Saturday in the summer while you're grilling and you've got like 50 different beer options, you're you're gonna grab like a regular beer. Like you might have a special beer, uh, like a Tall Boy or a Bomber from like a, a brewery you really love. But you're just cooking some burgers by yourself. Like you're not gonna grab the Bomber. Now your buddy comes over and you're like, oh man, I, I haven't seen you in a moment. Like let's get this bomber out, right? You'll use it because it makes sense at that time. To a lot, thank you for granting me the opportunity to use a beer barbecue analogy in a threat actor briefing. But my point is, threat actors are going to use whatever means they have at their disposal in order to achieve their objectives. And in this instant, my opinion is that the paper cut is so easy to exploit, and it's so. Um, still widespread of opportunity right it's a fishy it's a pond full of fish so of course you're going to throw the paper cut bait on your hook and launch it in there because it's going to work that's what i think is happening here the only reason this is going to go down in um amount of exploitation activity is if people get off paper cut or patch their paper cut or figure out what they're doing um that's what's going on here Wow, I worked multiple, uh, like completely unrelated analogies into that. Fishing, beers, grilling. You can see what's on my mind. Digital confirms customer data lost. We continue to learn more about the cyber attack against Western Digital. The company now confirmed that attackers stole personal information from its online store, including names, addresses, and emails, as well as hashed and salted passwords and partial credit card numbers. Details on the attack have come out gradually since Western Digital confirmed a network security incident on March 26th. Alf V eventually took credit for the breach, claiming to steal about 10 terabytes of data. Western Digital estimates it will restore its online store the week of May 15th. Twitter. All right, another um, another major brand going down for a major amount of time. So they are going to restore their online store May 15th, <clears throat> which is six days from today. They also said that um, they've been down for like a week or two. Um, 
Well, they've been down, excuse me, they've been down since March 26th, so they've almost been down a month. Now, I know some um, some businesses um, that have, you know, really top-tier IT teams can recover from a ransomware attack in 36 hours, but most businesses are going to be down on average a week. Western Digital is a massive company, um, and they, they're going to be down for like six weeks, five, six weeks. I know for a fact, my neighbor was saying to me just yesterday, they're like, I'm trying to buy something from Western Digital. I can't do it. What's going on? I'm like, oh yeah, they're, they're under attack. Um, Alfie, AKA Black Cat, AKA Dark Side, AKA Black Matter. Uh, they've changed their name a million times, but they're well known. They are a top tier threat actor and they are the kind of threat actor that can take down a business like Western Digital or you know, Apple or like, you know, NVIDIA, like one of these major companies. Um, the actors are starting to leak information online on their dark web portal. Um, I'm sure Eric Taylor or uh, Joe Belt might have access to some of that um, intel. I mean, the story here, guys, there, there really isn't much story. Western Digital um, got screwed. They're recovering. They, I don't think they paid the ransom. And um, they're slowly rebuilding, right? It, dude, I'm, I, I've said it a million times. I'll say it one more time. Like getting, recovering from a ransomware attack is not trivial. Like, and I think the reason that it's such a button uh, for me is because I have done tabletop exercises in the past with IT and with the business. And I said, okay, you've suffered a ransomware attack. What do you do? And just the dismissive attitude from um, IT being like, we have backups. We would just recover. This exercise is a waste of my time. I could be doing other things, right? Like that tone per per permeates down through the IT staff that like, yes, this is a waste of time. And then the business is looking at the whole situation is like, well, if IT thinks it's not a big deal, then why is it a big deal? It's so, like, this is why it's a, a hot button topic for me. I've dealt with those instances. And then you're like, it, you're already like having a fight uphill or, or, you know, run into the wind. So these, these examples are excellent use case and case studies, unfortunately. Um, like, sorry, Western Digital, that you had to be the victim that I can, like, I, I feel like I, like I would stand on Western Digital's like carcass just to point, make a point that like, we don't want to be this. See this down here under my boot? We don't want to be that. Now, let's take this tabletop exercise legit. Firm security incident with Circles. Last month, we covered reports that some private Twitter Circles posts became visible to public feeds. Twitter sent an email to Circle users now over the weekend advising on a security incident with the service. It did not clarify what caused the issue, but claimed this issue was identified by our security team and immediately fixed so that these tweets were no longer visible outside of your circle. Other platitudes offered include that it made a thorough investigation and that we deeply regret this happened. Okay, yeah, your, your security and privacy is important to us, okay? There isn't much story here. Twitter, like, okay, here we go. Guys, when you develop some piece of software, some functionality, some capability, whatever it is, typically, like, I guarantee you this circles thing went through rounds of QC, QA testing, right? But the thing is, they probably only tested 80% of the use cases, which is common. It's the fringe use cases. It's the 20% you don't think of that typically results in compromises, vulnerabilities, weaknesses, exposures. And that's probably what happened here. Some 
permutation of something um, of like a person sharing and maybe they were connected like second level to someone or they used to follow and now they don't follow, whatever it is, the private circle got released. Here's the deal. When you put something into Twitter, I don't care if it's DMs. I don't care if it's private circles. Like DMs is probably the most obvious one, right? Because it's supposed to be a private DM. The second you publish anything into LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or any of those things, I don't care if it's DMs, I don't care if it's on your personal profile, you should assume that that can get public, right? You should absolutely assume it's going to get public, right? They can promise that this is private. They can promise that no one will ever see this. You should operate under the premise that it will be public at some point. Okay, that's the only way that you can protect yourself from exposure of something, you know, embarrassing like these executives with their emails. Oh, it's a private email server. No, no, no. Okay, like let's look at the DNC email breach or whatever you want to call it leaks from the 2016 election. Look at even the Conti leaks, right? The ransomware group Conti, they had all their internal memos leaked by themselves, by their own members of Conti when the Russian-Ukrainian conflict started because the Ukrainian members were pissed that the Russian members said that Conti was officially Russian-backed. Ukraine was like, no. So, so you should always assume anything you put anywhere is going to be public, right? Unless you write it on a piece of paper and stick it in a fire, right? <laughs> you can have different levels of um, acceptable risk on it going public or not, but that's all that's going on here. Okay, I'm going to keep going really quickly. Often when preparing for a job interview. All right, that's going to do it for the news. Give me one second, people. I do want to share with you a couple interesting things. One, um, tomorrow, I won't, I have a 9 a.m. meeting. So I have a meeting in 10 minutes. I'm going to have to boogie too. But uh, tomorrow, we have another uh, video drop, a produced video coming live. It's a chat GPT tutorial on the ultimate tutor to fast track your cybersecurity career. Um, this is a part of the, um, I'm making several videos right now around ChatGPT and how you can wet, like basically leverage it to accelerate your information security career. Guys, there's no easy button, but there are tools available at our disposal to make things less friction, right? So come check that out tomorrow. Again, I won't be able to be live in chat because I have a meeting when this video drops, but I wanted to make everyone aware of it. Please come out, support the channel, learn something. These produced videos are a lot of fun. Um, there's great graphics. Um, I make I make some guesses in the video that turn out to be true, uh, which is kind of fun. So come check that out. Um, guys, thank you all very much for being here. 250 of you today. Um, live in stream so thank you for hitting that like button you 250 beautiful people and um yeah that's the news for today i'll i'll, I'll hang out for a few more minutes jaw jacking if guys if people want to do that but i have uh, i do have a 9 a.m meeting with a member of the simply cyber community i'm not sure if he's in chat right now but i'll be talking to him in a few minutes all right uh let's see casually joseph take you boys out to the edisto Air access on 17, you can catch some big gold catfish. Yes. My pleasure, Valinov. Thank you. Have a good day to you too. Jazzy Jazz, to have the insurance, don't you have to have certain controls frameworks in place? And the Mango Sandstorm. Yeah, so let me show you Mango Sandstorm and then let me uh, answer Jazzy Jazz's question. Here is what uh, Midjourney has for the um, Mango Sandstorm. This one's kind of like John Wickish. Yeah. 
This one's kind of looks like uh, like Mango Jesus a little bit. I don't know, guys. What do you think? I, I think this top right one's where it's at. I think this is probably the most, the most Mango Sandstormy. Dude, this is not even the scaled up rendered version. This is the raw one. Wow. All right, so Jazzy Jazz, Mango Jesus, yeah, right here. Um, Jazzy Jazz asks, don't you have to have, uh, doesn't cyber insurance require controls and frameworks? Yes and no. So Jazzy Jazz, uh, like there's multiple different frameworks, there's multiple different controls, but when you go to get insurance, they're going to say, um, like, fill out this questionnaire, right? That's a common thing. The questionnaire is going to say, do you have multi-factor authentication? Do you have backups? Do you educate your end users? Do you have a CISO? Do you have someone responsible for information security? All these questions, and you're going to say yes or no, right? Do you have EDR? Do you have SecOps? Do you have a SIM? How do you respond, right? Yes or no, yes or no, yes or no. Now, if you have a control framework, it... The, all the framework does is give you scaffolding to be able to know where to put controls in place. And then you can measure over time the maturity of your program. You can see where your gaps are. You can allow easier communication internally with stakeholders as well as externally with insurance companies and stuff. But if you were to just say, if an insurance company was trying to write you a policy and you said, oh, we, we adhere to the NIST cybersecurity framework, that, that doesn't tell them anything because you can adhere to the NIST cybersecurity framework and have dog crap controls, right? You could not be implementing any of them. You're just like, we are all about the NIST cybersecurity framework. So the insurance companies don't care if you're following a framework. Um, it's good to tell them that, but what they want to know is what actionable controls have you implemented? Are you testing them? Like they might even scan your network, scan your external interface. And, 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 and if they really want to get invasive, they could do that. But all the control frameworks do is inform you on what controls to put in your environment. They are not a um, kind of a, a catch-all silver bullet for an insurance company. Hopefully that answers your question. Yep. Richard Despot says some do their own assessments. That's true. It really depends on like the, the policy and the, um, you know, the size of the policy, the business, the industry, etc. Yep, they'll scan your public inter, uh, facing assets. Exactly, and you really should. You're welcome, Jazzy Jazz. You really should um, harden your external your ex, your external network face is probably your greatest exposure, right? Like anyone in the world can hit it any time of day. So you definitely should focus on that. All right, what do we got here? I got one more minute, guys. questionnaires are getting quite long and in depth after a year yeah yeah the questionnaires are kind of dumb too like with all due respect the questionnaires are kind of dumb because like the people like again with all due respect a lot of times the people reading the questionnaire responses don't know what they're reading and they can't make a qualified risk analysis on it it's just yes or no yes or no also i want to point out a real this is a hashtag truth bomb when when it, it like say it says like do you have edr and you pay for Microsoft Defender for Endpoint, you're gonna go ahead and check yes. But here's the deal. That's a Boolean question, yes or no. Yeah, we have EDR. Here's the reality. You only have it implemented on the work, like the Windows workstations that go out to the fleet. You don't have it on your servers. You don't have it on the executives who wanna use Macs, for example, right? So like, 
Yes, you have EDR. Yes, you're paying for it, but it's only on a subset of your systems. So you still are introducing that risk exposure, but people will answer 100 out of 100 times, yes, I have EDR. And that's just another reality of it to make it a little bit more muddled. Gary Sturgiot is asking for call for papers. Yes, we are doing that. Uh, I have to do an internal uh, discussion. Josh Mason's supposed to be handling that. I haven't gotten an update from Josh on what what's going on with all that. So let me let me circle up internally, and then Gary, um, if need be, um, I'll send a message out to the group on how we're going to uh, move forward with that. But yes, we are going to be doing call for paper for new speakers. Jamie Fleck with a shout out. You have a good day too, Jamie. Internal stranger, thanks for staying up late. Um, I know it's late over there in Aussie land. Yeah, Mike Toomey, don't 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 beat yourself up, man. Don't beat yourself up. Those questionnaires are brutal. <laughs> hey, Jim Lund, good to see you. All right, guys, I'm gonna get out of here. Have a great day, everybody. Be good. It's Tuesday, May 9th. 2023. We'll see you tomorrow, 8 a.m. Eastern Time for Worldwide Wednesday. Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Be good, everybody. Until next time, stay secure.